It's time for the Plan with Dan podcast, the show that will help you discover and achieve your true purpose for money and make you a more confident investor. We'll talk about sane and intelligent approaches to financial planning. Now, let's Plan with Dan. This is the Plan with Dan podcast. Glad you're with us. Walter Storholt here alongside Dan Betzel, founder of Betzel Wealth Advisors. Dan, how are you this week? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Walter? I am fantastic. So yeah. you, uh, we were talking about your trip to Ireland last time around on the last podcast, yeah. and you, that's not the only big trip you've got. No, this has been like a very crazy summer. You know, I've been to, I was in <laughs> Berlin earlier in the in the summer. Of course, then I had my anniversary, and then um, on the heels of that, I'm uh, getting ready to go to I'll be in Israel for a few weeks. Uh, go, you know, my annual trip. Um, it's going to be kind of exciting this year because I'm going to be there for the um, for the election. So it ought to be really kind of fun to be there, see all the craziness that is going to go on with the uh, national election. Now, how would that compare to, like, for those of us who don't know, for, like, to U.S. politics, how does that compare in Israel? <laughs> I think it's even so. crazier. Really? So, okay. Yeah. You know, it's a parliamentary system, so you don't really vote for a person, you vote for the party, and then they have to... Uh, Make coalitions. Uh, so it's made, exactly like the American system. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> There's 120 seats in the in the in the Knesset in the Israeli legislature, and you need 61 to control it. What's really interesting is there's not any party, you know, for a long, long time that's been able to get majority 61. So you might get 20, you might get 22, you might get 19, you know, and then you have to find a coalition with other people to get to the 61. And what's fascinating and sometimes very problematic is there may be a very small kind of extreme party with only four or five seats. But you need those four or five seats to get to 61 and to create the coalition. And sometimes, you know, you'll find people making really strange deals to get them into their coalition. So it's really interesting. Really, That sounds kind of fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Crazy. (laughs) That sounds like a cool, uh, you know how they did the show for, I think it was an Amazon series. I haven't actually watched it, but the premise is interesting. The U.S. lost World War II. You know, oh, the, West, yeah. the Western Allies lost the war, mm-hmm. and so it's it, and now it fast forwards to present day. But Man what would the Hightower. world? Man at High Tower, yes. Mm. So that would be an interesting show idea. What if the U.S. government were run like that yeah. uh, in that same system in today's world? That'd be kind of an interesting premise for a show. It'd be crazy, but yes, it would. It would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we root for all of the. Uh, isn't that something that we kind of root for though? Like a multi-party system where it's not just a two-party system anymore. At least some people, you know, kind of feel that that would be an improvement, but yeah. it sounds like it's in practice in Israel, and it's just as crazy. So. <laughs> it is. There's maybe no doubt about the, it. No doubt maybe about it's just it. the nature of politics. Yeah, it's, I, think, it's crazy. I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, we've got a good show on uh, on the way today. Maybe it won't be all that crazy. Uh, I Tom's hope not. got a, Hopefully not. Tom's got a question for us. We'll get to it a little bit later on. He's wondering about annual returns. What should be a target or a goal? That might be something that's on your mind, so stay tuned for that question, or if you really don't want to listen to the rest of our conversation, you can fast forward to the end of the show and get that particular spot. Oh, we're also going to laugh a little in the middle of today's show. That's the only teaser I'll give you there. Uh, We want to start things off talking about a uh, particular group of folks. We're going to lump them all together here, Dan, and talk about financial issues that might impact millennials. And Uh, it's really interesting, you know, because what I've noticed is so a lot of my clients will say, hey, you know, do you mind talking, you know, to my children or my daughter's going to get married and you mind talking to them? And and of course, I don't mind at all. It's my absolute privilege to, but it's so interesting um, to speak with them. And I've realized um, their financial issues are very, very different, you know, than what was facing, say, like my generation. And I have a lot of empathy for them. And we kind of talk and laugh about, you know, they all think they're special snowflakes. I find them really very wonderful, hardworking uh, people that, you know, really want to figure this out, you know, and, and, and to make life 
powerful life for themselves mm-hmm. and their family. But so you know, millennials. You're such people, a you're such a positive person, Dan. I, I love it. And, I don't know. I don't know about that. But 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 anyway, I'm it's, I'm a millennial. So are you a millennial? Oh my I'm gosh. I'm a millennial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm in well, the crew. <laughs> but both of my kids are millennials. So, you know, born between yep. uh, 81 and 96. And so, you know, the, the first thing I noticed for a lot of them, I can't, you know, this is just generally speaking, is how much harder it is, you know, to get, you know, education. Like when I was in college, my parents were immigrants, didn't have any money, but I was able to work in the summer and then to work part time ter- during the year and pay for college. I mean, I mm-hmm. wasn't the only one doing that. I mean, majority of people were. Um, there's no way now that a 19 or 20 year old, most of them, you know, can make enough money to pay for college. So they're, so they're graduating with, you know, significant student loan debt, which of course, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why you know, I feel for a lot of them because certainly, you know, they could have gone maybe to a community college for a couple of years and then transferred and all those kind of things. But nevertheless, I find whatever, whatever your opinion, is hard. whatever your opinion on the whole, you yeah. know, reimbursing or paying off student loans in full $1.5 right. trillion dollars worth right. Bernie Sanders plan, that, whatever your opinion on that is, is what it is. But you're absolutely right. It's not the same world where you no. can realistically work. No. I mean, I tried, Dan. So I worked multiple jobs. Yeah. I, I was able to win some awards during school that all yeah. went toward paying tuition and room and board and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I went to a state school mm-hmm. and I think, so I mean, I'll be I'll be kind of full disclosure. So I had, it was a state school. Uh, my grandparents helped with $5,000 of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Almost the entire rest of my tuition and room and board and everything uh, was paid through scholarships, my, my jobs working and award money. And mm-hmm. I think I graduated graduated with a, maybe a little over 10000 in loans. Mm-hmm. And I was able to pay that off very quickly in my first year of working. I had a very small, <laughs> very low-paying job as, you know, when I got out of graduation working at Best Buy. But I was able to hammer down and live minimally and pay off those loans very, very quickly. But just like that, you know, we've talked about my wife, Connie. She's in grad school, and she's graduating in a, a couple of weeks, in fact. Well, I'm not going to be as full disclosure on just how much we owe in terms of her graduate school yeah. exposure. But it's changed that much in just a couple of years. So it's, absolutely, it's I see wild. that all the time. You know, and so you know, I'm trying to help them figure out how are we going to deal with this, right? Yeah, it's, it's a big nut to, to try to crack. So you know, it's also harder to buy a house, not just because they have student loan payments, but like in the Columbus area, it's temporary. It'll probably change. But you know, I have a lot of friends that are realtors, and you know, they, she said they find themselves in like you know multi offers, people bidding the price up higher. I mean, it is really, really, really difficult, you know, to buy a house. And of course, buying a house traditionally has been you know one of the first steps toward like mm-hmm. real, you know adulthood, financial independence. I remember like being really scared, you know, my wife and I bought our first house, but you know, it was like really important, right? You know, it's like, well, we're establishing ourselves now, you know, we, I am right. a homeowner and, and all that. And you're going stuff. up against a lot of cash buyers now. So oh, it's, how, gosh, it's hard to yes. compete with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I bought I'm, my first home in 2012, and that was when we were still really at the bottom of the market. Yeah, so it was all, yeah. it was harder to qualify for a loan, yeah, but exactly. easier to compete for a home. But fast yeah. forward just six years, and it was definitely more competitive. We just bought our second home, and it was a lot more competitive this time around for sure. Yeah, but I talked to a lot of younger people, you know, born in these ages, the millennials, and I've talked to someone last week, and you know, they put like 20 some offers on houses and oh, didn't get gosh. a single one. You know, and there wasn't a single house that they didn't offer what the person was asking for for you yeah. know but so it's like what i mean it's like unbelievable and then i think the other side of that then is they have soaring rents in my part of the country in the columbus area people aren't building their rental facilities anymore and so the mm. rents are going up and supply you know, and demand yeah, issues yeah, absolutely people and a lot of people are you know 
We have a kind of a joke, you know, you, people come to Columbus to go to college. You know, we have Ohio State, of course, which is the largest if capital. We have Otterbein, we have Denison, we have Franklin, you know, all these different colleges and nobody leaves. So, I mean, uh, you know, so it's true. It's, it's a very good place to live, but it's causing serious stresses, you know, on the housing market and also on soaring rents. You know, and that's and, not it. We're, we're, we're not even done with the list. And that's no, that's already feels like a lot. No, it's, it's enough. But and a lot of them, like I meet more and more people, you know, they have really they have really great resumes and i mean i see this myself i don't think a week goes by where i don't get a resume from somebody you know that's either just graduated with a degree in finance or they may even have a graduate degree and they want to come and work for me for free because oh, they wow. don't have any experience i huh. won't do that to somebody but anyway that so they're, they're underemployed right so they're cobbling together a couple part-time jobs you know and, mm. and that's okay for a while you know you certainly can do that um but it does delay you know getting into the what we would really call financial adulthood you know where you're going to have your own insurance and you're going to have retirement accounts and i do see this the workforce you know kind of this tapestry or quilt of you know, two or three part-time jobs. Some of that can be self-inflicted, though, because I know a lot of people that are in in my group, as uh-huh. you know, in the millennial world, who want that. They like the gig economy uh-huh. style. Uh-huh. Now, I know that probably would spark a big debate on social media of people being like, "No, it's because it is that way." But I think a lot of people like that lifestyle of being able to dip in, in and out of work and not commit long-term. That's probably a complaint that some people would have about a millennial is lack of commitment, and they're not going to stay at one place for a really long time anymore. So it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Is it? Is it our personality or is it the reality of the economy? But I think there's maybe a little bit of fault on kind of both sides of the issue there. That could very well be, but it's an issue, right? I'm Whoever's issue. fault it is, it's an we, issue, right? We didn't we didn't have that issue when I was growing up, that's for sure. I mean, it just wasn't that way. And, and I remember even, I mean, this has been coming for a long time, right? So it's just very, very interesting. And then and then, uh, I guess the last thing I would say that I see is kind of two sides of, of a coin. They're almost opposites, right? So I meet some people and they're, you know, they're caring for their aging parents, and that is a big toll on them financially, emotionally, physically. You have to run home every day and take care of your sick mom after work. And of course, you know, you certainly want to do that, but your parents are relying on you because they themselves don't have enough financial worth all to hire that out. That really, I hate to use the word unfair because the family, right? We should do anything we can to help our family. But but it's, it's a certain stress on that young person's ability to, you know, create social networks and to get ahead at, you know, at work. It's all related like that. And then on the other hand, I meet some people and they're still living at home at 30 or 32 and their parents are they're still on their parents cell phone plan so you know that's all these things that are just very interesting I really don't mean it to be judgmental but I think there's a lot of education that we need to do and not just say hey you guys are lazy or whatever because I don't believe that's the case at all but to educate them to empower them to get them to see how it's in everyone's best interest for them you know to, to take some steps you know toward financial freedom and financial good footing you know for their future yeah and sometimes it may just be let, let, let's start working it in the right direction like okay maybe you want to help out not have them be totally on their own for a cell phone plan because there's power in just being part of a family plan or something like that, Mm -hmm. but have them pay their fair share of it as an example to be a part of that, getting that access to it. Or if they're going to live with you at home, having them contribute to rent and those kinds of things. But every parent wants to help their child. I I know. Everybody feels differently about it. Yeah. I can just speak from my experience. I'm glad that dad said, don't come back home. (laughs) (laughs) It's for your own good. You're not welcome back here on a permanent basis. So you can come back and stay for the weekend, but no longer. And he meant it from, you know, a very good place. And uh, I'm sure if I had truly actually hit some hard times or something, they would be there to make sure I wasn't homeless or something. But, (laughs) and I I also was, it's everybody's personality, right? That was my personality anyway, was to want to be independent and move. I mean, it was already just in 
college, I stopped taking the 20s from dad as I'd walk out the door and, you know, head back to college for, you know, after a weekend of visiting or after winter break or something like that. And like, no, it's all right. I'm working. I can, I can cover it, you know, and, and that was sort of a badge of honor to wear it in those times too. So mm-hmm. everybody's different, well, but, you know. I'm glad it's a, it's a good goal, though. So you're sticking up for the millennials, so good. Because I am too. I want to as well. And that's why I was saying you're a po- you're positive. You're I hope viewing so. millennials hope through so. a good light here. Everybody likes to take shots at us, but uh, no. we're, we're not. I mean, all my, my two children and... are millennials. I you know yeah. I love I love millennials. You have some unique or at least different, say, financial stresses than we had in my generation. Yeah, you were this age once. Just like yes. when people say, "I don't like babies," it's like, "Well, you were a baby one time." So <laughs> I would never you know. say that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> have some. I don't. I don't like kids. You know, no, well, no. you were a kid too. So you yeah. know, try to try to try to respect and understand. Remember, you were there once as well. Um, that's great guidance, great advice, though. Some things to be thinking about. I guess the big takeaway here: just realize millennials are going through some challenges that may not have been there in the past. And that's not to say that previous generations didn't go through their own set of challenges. Just see just how they've changed. They're different challenges. Absolutely. Yeah and realize that. So if you're looking to help out a millennial in your life, you want to have them chat a little bit with Dan while they're, you, you're looking over your financial plan as well, um, bring them into the conversation. It's a family educational process here as always. So it's all Absolutely. part of that ho- holistic planning we talk about each time here on the podcast. So a couple of easy ways to get in touch with Dan, 614-472-4510 is the number, 614-472-4510. Or online at BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. That's BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. Dan is the founder of Betzel Wealth Advisors, and uh, he's got an office in Gahanna near the airport there in the greater Columbus area. So it's easy to come in and say hello and have a conversation if that would be helpful to you. All right. uh, Thanks for the help on that subject, Dan. It's time to get to know you a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. So my question for you this time around, Dan, uh, is uh, who makes you laugh? Tell us a little bit about somebody that always makes you laugh, whether it's uh, you know somebody in your personal life or a comedian, and anywhere along the spectrum. Okay, this goes back like to when I was in college, right? So my guess, Walter, is you probably don't remember the uh, Saturday Night Live when it was in its heyday. I'm talking like 1977, 1978. I'm not exactly sure which year. I think it was 78. Yeah, so. my my Saturday Night Live day, <laughs> heyday would again. We just had the millennial talk, right? Would probably right. be like the uh, the Will Ferrell Jeopardy uh, days was probably yeah. what I would say was my my generation's Saturday Night Live heyday. Well, but. I'm I'm sorry to say, but you know, no, no Saturday Night Live has never ever like uh, got back to this <laughs> zenith, you know, of the of the late seventies. But th- th- there was this like this frenzy, uh, this King Tut exhibit, you know, was was in I think I believe it was in New York. I'm not sure I never saw it, but there was this, all the country was just talking about the King Tut exhibit that was here for the first time ever. And Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live did a parody. And I, you know, if you don't know about this, you should go to YouTube and you should type in Steve Martin, King Tut, Funky Tut. And it's the most hilarious parody I've ever seen in my life. And I saw the reason I think that I still think he's funny is that Every time he, I see him, even if he's not saying anything funny, I just can't get King Tut, Funky Tut. He went to bed in his pajamas. I just can't get out of my head. So I think I'm still laughing from that initial like iconic skit he did on Saturday Night Live. That, that kind of like it captured the moment, you know, the 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 King Tut exhibit frenzy that was going on. There were King, there was King Tut coffee cups, King Tut everything. You know, it was hilarious. Um, and I so I, anyway, yeah, so I, Steve Martin can just like he can be sitting on the stage and I'll start laughing. But I think it's yeah. because I, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, King Tut, Funky Tut, you know, he's really funny. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Um, it's just one of those one of those comedians or one of those bits that was so good that no matter what they're talking about in the future, you're always reminded of it. So. And that's a, that's a long time ago, right? To be stuck in your head that long? It must have been good. All right. I'm going to, I'm writing it down. I'm going to have to, uh, I've got a road trip coming up, so I'm going to, I'm just going to cue that up and listen to it as part of the uh, road trip playlist there. You so have to, you have to. I'll go to. find it. Very cool. All right. That's getting to know Dan a little bit better. And now we get to know you by answering one of your questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So on the mailbag today, we're answering a question from Tom in Pickerington. Submit your questions, by the way, at BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. What kind of annual return should I be seeking on investments in retirement, says Tom. Oh, Tom, thanks. That's a, that's a great question. You know, I think part of my job is to help clients maybe refine their questions or, or maybe to ask better questions. There's nothing wrong with your question. It's a great question. And I know I think I know what you're asking me. One answer I could say, well, Tom, you need market returns, but that's probably not going to be very helpful. I think what you're really asking me is like a retirement income question. And so that's a much bigger question. And I see I think embedded in that question is your question of, you know, what type of return should I do I need in order to meet my income retirement goals? And I would say that you know what, whatever income, whatever um, income goals that you need, you know we have to be looking really carefully at risk. So I, I think it's a great question. What kind of annual return should I be seeking on investments in retirement? I think it depends on your retirement income goals and how much risk you're willing to take. There's really no simple answer to that, but. It's it's not a it's not a difficult answer to find out if you just sit down with somebody. They look at your portfolio. They uh, look at what your other sources of income are coming from. You know how much of that income is guaranteed. How much of that has to come from your portfolio, and then and like then back into it and say, okay, we need three percent or whatever, or three and a half percent, or maybe four percent from your portfolio. How do I engineer a portfolio that's going to, over time, um, give me a high probability that I'm going to get in excess of that four percent? I hope that makes sense. But I, but I, I, that's the way I would want to look at the problem uh, or look at the issue. How much income do you need? Where are we going to get it? How much risk are you really going to take? And then we could design the portfolio to answer that question for you. I hope that helps. Yeah. It's a great question. So th- thanks for writing in. It's really one of those kinds of things where uh, it's one of those questions where you say, you know, you're kind of focusing on the wrong thing at this point in life. Like that's the question you ask when you're in your 30s and 40s and yeah, a little bit of your 50s probably as well. But when you get truly to retirement, if that's where you are, Tom, you didn't give us your exact age. Absolutely. So maybe you're just thinking Absolutely. far in the distance here, which yeah. that's fine. But, you know, in retirement, it's really a different question that you should ask before yeah, you but even th- worry that's about That's why that you have to work with the professionals. Like when I go to the doctor, I don't sometimes, I mean, I can say like, I was at the dentist not too long ago, and I was convinced, you know, that that the pain was coming from one particular tooth. And I actually argued with the dentist, you know, because he he identified a different tooth. And I'm like, no, it's hurting up here. He said, you don't even know where the pain's coming from, right? And then he took this like cold thing and touched it to the tooth that was the problem. And I almost, you know, jumped out of the out of the Uh. seat. So, so it was was interesting, right? Like, you know, I was convinced it was one thing, and it doesn't mean. I mean, that's why I'm not I'm not a dentist, right? And and he his job was to show me it was actually something else. So it was, it was really interesting. And the same thing in financial planning. So it's a great question. I, uh, you just need some guidance, uh, I think, to really look at deeper at what the real issue is. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's definitely worth uh, thinking a little bit more about. I kind of think of it, the doctor comparison, it'd be like yeah. going to the doctor and being like, 
you know, how fast should I be running at my age? <laughs> right. and, the, and the doctor's like, well, you're kind of focusing on the wrong thing. Exactly. You really, it it's doesn't really matter message. how fast you run. You got to lose 100 pounds first. You right. know, it's like <laughs> you got yeah. some other issues to yeah. focus on before yeah. we start fine tuning your running speed. You know, but thanks for the question, Tom. It, question. It, it gave me a good opportunity to, to express that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that's the case. We're just focusing on the wrong thing, and it's not a bad thing. It's just nice to get nudged back on track where we need it. And that's something that Dan can help you with. If you've got any questions about your own financial life, reach out, 614-472-4510. Dan's happy to put together a customized uh, review for you and look at your situation, see where he might be able to help give you a little bit more confidence in your financial situation. Happens often when somebody gets a review and a plan put together. 614-472-4510 or online at BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. Check the description of today's show and whatever app you're using to listen to the program or on the show notes page. If that's where you're listening, you'll find links to all of these appropriate things that we talk about. Dan, thanks for the help, and uh, have a great trip to Israel, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Walter. We'll look forward to chatting with you after your trip. That's uh, Dan Betzel joining us here on the Plan with Dan podcast. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Betzel Wealth Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Ohio.